Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's the two things prayer do. Lots more, but here's two main ones this morning. Prayer changes circumstances in people. And second, even bigger, (laughs) prayer changes me. You see, if I pray for somebody that I really don't like, it starts to do something inside me. Couples, a great way to have a relationship in your home is to pray with each other on a routine basis. You won't fight near as much, near as much. The concept of blessing or even praying for those we don't get along with can leave a rather sour taste in some mouths, whether it's someone at work, a family member, or someone who intentionally harmed us. Blessing them is often the last thought we have. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us the importance of putting these into practice. In our study, we learned that praying for others can not only change the situation, but that we too are transformed by those very prayers. As hard as it may be, we should pray for our enemies daily. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's message. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, You Are Different. Thanks. Pastor Carl told me he was in the Sedan. You know, I went over to preach at Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, a couple weeks ago for him. While he was in the Sedan, he teaches uh, usually three weeks at a time, and he teaches these chaplains who are in the army there in the South Sedan, and they go out and minister to the forces all across the Sedan. Millions of people are being killed still today by the Muslim armies in the north that come down. Of course, you don't hear about that. Well, on Sunday, he decided to go out to a little church. So they went about two miles to this little church, little teeny town away from the compound, which is guarded 24 hours a day with machine guns and whatever. And he took two policemen, actually soldiers with him, that had their uh, uh, automatic weapons. And they walked to this village. And they went into this little hut, which is the church, and a dirt floor and whatever. There's nobody in there. So Pastor Carl said to the soldiers, what? Like, where are the people? Is, is, is this not the church? They said, we don't know. So they went out and talked to people. Went out to a couple of the huts and said to the people, why aren't, why aren't you in church? Well, we like don't go to church because too many of us have gotten killed going to church. So we're afraid to go to church. So the soldiers said, no, we're here this morning. There's two of us. We'll guard the compound for you so you can go to church. So and that, that word spread like that and... In just a few minutes, there's 50 people in the church. They had a full church service. While they had it, these two armed guards, just to be like our parking lot here, with their automatic weapons, are just constantly guarding the compound. We're a little spoiled, aren't we? You feel unsafe in here today? You know, as bad as it gets here, it's like this. 
I didn't get my parking spot. I had to park way back over there. <laughs> well, wait till you have to park over the creek. Are you, what are you saying? You're going to park, I'll find another church. Bye. <laughs> Do you understand? When I heard that, I went, wow. Can't go to church? Afraid you're going to get killed on a dirt floor with no air conditioning or lights. And yet they were in worshiping God. So Jesus, well, he just says, basically, be different. And I want to say to you this morning, thanks for being different. You're a forgiving people. You're people that are selfless. You're a loving people. You're not a people that take advantage. You do go the extra mile. So many of you serve in so many ways. You're making a difference because you are like Jesus. Thank you. Number three, love instead of hate. Jesus says in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You see, the Pharisees said you should love your neighbor, and they called your neighbor any Jew. But you should hate your enemy. Well, that's not biblical. God never in his Bible ever says we should hate. And of course, those that were their enemy, they called the Gentiles. The Old Testament never taught that. The Pharisees did it because they couldn't stand Gentiles. They thought we were the fodder just to burn for hell. That's what they call us, women as well. Well, look at what God said in his word. They had these scriptures, but they didn't interpret it right. Notice, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey, you could call it Lexus or whatever, wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you has fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure to help him with it. That's not hating your enemy. That's actually the opposite. So what does that mean to love our enemy? What is love? If you weren't here last week, as I said, you need to get that tape because love is not an emotion. Love is a decision. It's an act of your will. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. So in verse 44, Jesus says, well, you've heard it this way. Let me tell you the true story. Now, everyone in this room has enemies. We have people that we don't like. You can just kind of think their name. They come. As I said, there's no perfect people in there, so we're a work in progress. Look what he says. Jesus says, but I say to you, don't, don't hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies. Now, that'd be good enough he left it there, but he doesn't leave it there. He defines it. We'll talk about it in a moment. What does it mean to love my enemy? He says this, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Let me ask you right now, is that easy? Is this one of the D words come to mind right away? Very difficult. Maybe you have a neighbor next door, drives you crazy. Music, dog, fence, doesn't keep their yard up. I'll keep talking and I'll get to it. If you didn't hit them before, you will now when you leave the service because it just... What does Jesus say to do? Well, he says, you're supposed to love them. Well, how can I do that? Let's read on. Look at verse 45. Why should I do that? That you may be the sons of your father in heaven. Well, what is God like? Remember, God loves his enemies. God loves those who hate him. He says, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. 
He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Those people who hate God that have farms all over the world, they hate God, he gives them rain. He loves them. He doesn't hate them. If you love those who loved you, what reward will you get? And, and not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. So Jesus says, wait a minute, you've got to be like God. That's very hard. You've got to be like God. God loves. He forgives. He offers love and forgiveness to all people. So we're to be different. Christians are to be different and love their enemies. Do we have any example of that in the Bible? Yes. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, what were his words to his enemies that had just nailed him? Forgive them, for they know not what they... Not get them, God. Forgive them. The Bible says, I was an enemy of God. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're still an enemy of God. But it said, he died for us while we were still enemies. So we have perfect examples of this. Take a look. How should I show that love? These are practical things. Jesus showed us in verse 44 how to do that. Three things. I should bless those who curse us. Second, I should do good to them. That's the last thing I'm actually thinking of doing. And maybe this is the hardest. I should pray for them. Now, we're not talking about the enemies that are attacking our country and all those things. We're, this is, that's civil war, and obviously the Old Testament's all full of that. We have to maintain a country and be safe and whatever. But personal enemies, we have to do these things. Now you say, well, how, let's just pick one this morning. How, this is radical. You mean if I'm supposed to pray for those people who persecute me? The people that drive me nuts? How do I, what's that prayer sound like? Let me give you an example of how that prayer goes. God, you know Jim and June. And how they constantly make it difficult for me. They make fun of me. They don't love you, Lord. In fact, they make fun of you. So God, during the next hurricane. I'm not through yet. You don't know what I'm praying. (laughs) So God, during the next hurricane, I ask the entire roof of their house be blown off. Now God, don't hurt them. But do totally destroy their home and all of their possessions. I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. I say, Pastor Mario, that's 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 almost blasphemous. That's like ridiculous. As the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people in that village, they didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Now, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Does it sound familiar? These are Jesus' disciples after three years of training. They heard the teaching live that we're giving this morning. I feel better already, don't you? I don't feel so condemned, do you? Because sometimes, I mean, I have trouble sometimes even well-loving people I just don't hate but I don't like. How about you? Sometimes you you can't even pray for somebody that isn't your enemy. You just, I'm going to pray for them. But God says, no, you should pray for everybody, including your enemies. Wow. Well, what should I pray for people who persecute me? Well, 
I should pray, God, do bless them. Open their heart. Help me to accept them. I don't have to be personal friends with them, but I should pray for them. Because if I'm doing that, prayer does two things, and I want you to write it down. And don't forget to get the tape. Don't forget to get the tape from Wednesday night. God is putting that stake down and changing this church incredibly. Here's the two things prayer do. Lots more, but here's two main ones this morning. Prayer changes circumstances in people. And second, even bigger, (laughs) prayer changes me. You see, if I pray for somebody that I really don't like, it starts to do something inside me. Couples, a great way to have a relationship in your home is to pray with each other on a routine basis. You won't fight near as much, near as much. So I just want to say, without God, you know you can't do this. We'll talk about that in a moment. We do discover that as we're like God, that he gives us compassion and love, not anger and hate. I just want to thank you this morning. You know, this is an amazing church. I want to thank you for being different, for being people who are loving. You know, when we went through all the stuff about covering up the cross and all that stuff, we didn't have hateful people in here. You were loving. We were loving to a world that didn't understand. You're loving this morning. You're a gracious group of people. We're working together at learning to love the world. You know, we have all kinds of sinners that come into the place. We have all kinds of people that come to the Lord. I said, you know, almost every week we have, you know, five to 50 people come to the Lord every weekend. That's a wonderful thing. The people that are just lost and trying to find their way and couples and young people and older people and whatever. And we just, God takes us where we're at and you're loving those people. You're getting ready to disciple those people one-on-one. You obey us. You love us here. You don't walk in and out of the services. Your kids are over in the other area. You listen to the ushers. You listen to the parking people as they park you. You're not gripey people. That's a wonderful thing, and I thank you. You see, I've been doing this for many, many years, and I can remember lots of churches just split and split. split. They can't even get along with each other in the church. And the world goes, do I want to be part of that? No, you're loving people. You wait in line. You wait to get the coffee. You do the whatever. You're not gripey people. Wonderful. Thanks. But we got one more. It's the hardest. Number four. Live in God's power and not our own strength. Live in God's power and not our own strength. Notice verse 48. Jesus says, he's ending this teaching in this section. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect means mature, complete, whole, holy. That's a common theme throughout the Bible, to be like God, to be conformed into the image of God. So what happens? Christians are to resemble their heavenly Father. They're to resemble their heavenly Father. Now, how do I do that? How can I be like God? How can I be complete and mature? We know we're a work in progress. Every single person in this room is a work in progress. God takes us right where we're at and he just begins to conform us day by day to be more like him. So I want to go through this very quickly and then I'm going to give you three more points and we're done. How can I be perfect? Jesus says, be perfect. Be mature. Not babies. Not carnal Christians. Not gripey people. He calls us to be different, not in external things, but in our hearts. Notice what he calls us to be different. We've studied these over the last few weeks. Jesus says, I want you to be different in regard to anger, murder, lust, adultery, divorce, oaths, truthfulness, revenge, personal rights, property, in regard to both neighbors and those who hate us and are our enemies. That's incredible. You look at that whole list and you go, that's impossible. (laughs) It is. 
It's difficult. It's different. Well, how do we accomplish it? How does that happen in our lives? Well, Jesus says this in Mark 10, 27. With men, it is impossible. If you're not a Christian today, you, you can't do any of those. You can't please God. You'll never be good enough to heaven. You have no purpose and meaning in your life. But as a Christian, Jesus goes on and he says, but with God, all things are possible. I'm way further along in my maturity than I ever thought I'd be, but I got a long way to go still. Now, how can I be different and be like God? How can I accomplish these things? Let me give you the last three quickly. Number one, remember that God lives in us. If you're a Christian this morning, God lives in you. God, the creator of the universe, came to live in you. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. You see, when I became a Christian, God came in. He came in with his power. He came in with his comfort. He came in with his teaching. So he's speaking to you this morning. I talked to somebody after the service last night and went out and they said, well, man, God got me in about three things right here. Just spoke right to my heart. That's exactly right. He's in the same to you this morning, just like he has me. I told you this is a very hard teaching. <laughs> Ask my wife, please pray. This is hard. Because without God, it's impossible. And even with, with God, it's still what? It's very difficult. But I have to remember, I'm not the one doing it. God lives in me. Number two. Well, he lives in me, but it's no good unless I allow God to control me. And I don't mean by that a robot. I mean by a man, a human, a woman, submitting themselves to the things of God. Notice Paul says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. Now, as a Christian, I still have my old sinful nature. I want to get instead of give. I want to get revenge instead of forgive. I want to really hate sometimes when that person has really done me wrong more. When that person has insulted me, the last thing I want to do is let them insult me or just go on with life and let it roll off my back. I want to find a way to insult them and get even. But God says, no, 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 no. You have the spirit of God living in you. He can control you to be spirit-filled. And number three, if I do that, what do I discover? This is the key, guys, get it. Then live the dynamic life that God designed for each of us. There's that third D, dynamic. Dynamic means lively, full of life, vibrant. You see, as I allow God to live in me, he changes me. It's dynamite. I'm shocked at what God can do in and through my life. You see, and it's the same for you this morning. So many Christians never allow God to really do in them what he wants to do. Different, difficult, but absolutely dynamic. Ask yourself this morning, is your Christian life dynamic? Is it lively? Is it full of life? Is it vibrant? Well, for many, many, many of you, yes. You are different. You're different than you used to be. You're changing. The word is changing. Somebody just taught me, says, we drive up here from Vero every week just to hear the teaching is just changing us. You're changing. I want to thank you this morning for being dynamic, for being people who are becoming more like Christ every single day in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith. You are different, and you're making a huge difference in this community and all over the world. Why? Because God lives in you. This is the last thing I want to say to you. Pay special attention, nobody leaving. 
Look at the next verse. That verse we read, that God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us, and we can do all of these things. This is the last part of the verse. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. Let's go back to my opening statement. Is God living in you? Listen, listen. Don't put yourself away. That disturbs people. Is God living in you? You see, if God isn't living in you, then your sin nature is still there. And your sin nature, if you were on that subway Thursday, I ask you, where were you this morning? Where would you be this morning? I'll tell you where you'd be. You'd be separated from God forever in hell. Not his desire. You say, well, how do I? I thought I could say to God, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm better than the person next. No, it's not about being good. You could never be good enough on your best day. Well, how do, how do I get God living in me? Well, the book of Revelation says, watch, that Jesus stands out the door of our heart. The door that has a handle only on the inside. It's about choices. And he says, if you'd like to have your sins forgiven, if, if you'd like me to come in and be able to change your life and make it dynamic and vibrant and, and, and not perfect, but headed toward that. And, and you can sleep at night and you can have purpose and you can have meaning and you can have joy. And wow, will you be different? And for the first time, you realize why you remain. If you want that, I'll come in. But you have to ask me to come in. You see, that's the way God designed. He would never push his way on you. So how does that happen? This morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Listen to me very closely. In a moment, we're going to pray. Remember, Jesus said this. Watch me. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus living in your heart right now? In other words, have you ever asked him to come in? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ right now this morning? Well, yes, yes, Pastor Mark, but no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Not yes, but. Yes or no. See, it's not get to heaven. Well, God, I tried me. Yeah. No, it's yes or no. Well, I don't, I don't think you can really know. Oh, yes, you can. The Bible says you can know. How? Because you've asked him to come in. He says, anybody that comes to me, I will not cast out. I will come into that open door and change your life. See, God takes you right where he is, right, right where you are this morning, right exactly where you're at. So in the moment, we're going to pray. If you want to become a Christian this morning, if you want to ask God, if you want to make a commitment to him or a recommitment, you used to follow God, but he isn't really living in you now, and that old sin nature is pretty ugly. And you know it, and you've lost peace. I want you to be very truthful this morning. Prayer is often one of the most neglected parts of our daily walk with the Lord. This can be especially true when it comes to praying for those who have done wrong against us. In today's study with Pastor Mark, we learned the importance of blessing and praying for those who frustrate and even anger us. In our message, we learned that these prayers can change us individually as well as those we pray for. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. 
Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will continue to teach us the outward fruits that manifest from the inward change of the heart. In our message entitled, Right Giving, Praying, and Fasting, Pastor Mark will teach us on the blessings we can reap by practicing these fundamentals. So join us next time as we continue to learn how to be more like our Savior day by day. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Yeah.